you're having a dinner party. It's last mm-hmm. minute. You've realized the cocktail I'm making. This this happens to Bobby all the time. The specialty cocktail that Josh is making. We're missing an item. We're missing a piece. And it can't be. Su- There's no substitutes. We have to go yeah. to the liquor store. But we don't we have, have time. We have to get this particular vermouth or amaro. But we can't leave because the oven's on. What are you going to do? What's the solution? What would you do? DoorDash. Because I know that I can get local restaurants, local stores, local establishments and get it to my apartment in no time. If you're looking to celebrate with some special drinks, here's to alcohol delivers with DoorDash. Getting ready to host, looking to celebrate a special night in, what about a bottle of wine to pair with dinner or some beer to go with your chips and dip? No matter the occasion, if drinks are called for, DoorDash has you covered. And then you know what? You tip right within the app. They get 100% of the tip. You got to tip your DoorDash drivers always. So save up to 25% off up to a $15 value when you spend $35 or more with code WHO24. So whether you're grabbing drinks for an event or staying in for the night, DoorDash is here to help you have a great evening any evening. Term supply must be 21 plus to order alcohol. Drink responsibly. Delivery and promotions available only in select markets. You will drain it. Welcome to Who Weekly, the podcast where you'll learn everything you need to know about the celebrities you don't. I'm Bobby Finger. I'm Lindsay Weber. And this is Jack Harlow's interaction with Emma Chamberlain on the Met Gala red carpet. I'll see you in there. Can't wait. Love you. Bye. Love ya. <laughs> you kind of got to see that one. It's a visual effect. Someone called in about this, but they were like, isn't it funny that like the only truly viral moment of the Met Gala was Emma Chamberlain and Jack Harlow? These last couple of days have been a hellscape, but a intense highlight is Emma Chamberlain not flirting back with Jack Harlow and getting the only meme slash viral moment of the Met Gala so far. Just, just really has been brightening my days here. Lindsay Bobby, Lindsay Podcaster, sorry, really early. Um, crunch, crunch. Good form, Bella Thorne. Sure. Yeah, there was no, oh, no, it ain't the stallion. <laughs> it was your girl. Well, although I haven't been on TikTok in a while, so maybe there was. But I mean, I just think it's a big deal for your girl, for Emma, to get the I big laugh of the her. night. Well, we know he's a flirt. He he got famous because he was viral on that chicken chop show. Remember when we first talked mm-hmm. about him? And now yes. I love that girl. What's her face? Amelia de Moldenberg. She just did Rosalia. It was cute. But yeah, that's a flirty show. And I think he realized that being flirty like that is a... Uh, is if you do Amelia. it right, if you're able to, if you're able to walk the line and not be creepy, it's kind of funny. He's giving Drake. He's giving early Drake, which is nice, I think. Which makes so much sense. No, I know. The mood board in his bedroom is all photos of Drake. Yeah, like it's funny. Like the idea, though, that he would see that and be like, "That's funny," and and love it. It's like interesting because it reminds me of the other like kind of viral moment that didn't even actually go that viral, but when when the clip of Billy calling Cardi B weird was circulating and it was very yes. clear what she was calling weird was the, was people just standing there taking photos of her like at this mm-hmm. party. And then it like got reported on in this way that was so rude. That was just like Billy Eilish calls Cardi B weird. And then they released these voice notes that they sent to each other, From which I actually Instagram. love. Oh Cause God. I was like, this is really like human where Billy was like, this is idiotic. I wasn't calling you weird. I was calling like the people just standing there taking photos of you and staring at you weird. Mm -hmm. And Cardi says, I knew that. You're my baby. 
Oh my god, I was so worried you were gonna see that. I was fucking calling the people around you weird because everybody was coming up to you and shoving their phones into your ass. And I was like, just look at her with your eye. Internet is trying to divide us. They don't understand that you're my baby. <laughs> it is interesting where these things fly out of proportion, but the reason why they do, unfortunately, is the media. The media. Well, we love a feud. We love a feud, even if it's a fake. <laughs> Meanwhile, like the only actual real confrontation that I saw at the Met Gala was when Nikki showed up and yelled at the reporter who leaked that she was coming. <laughs> but that was actual objective confrontation where it was like when Nikki is mad at someone, she is like, hello, I'm Nikki Minaj and I am mad at you. And here's why. It's essentially a TED talk when Nikki explains why she's mad at you. You know who was right there who I noticed of a who, speaking of who's, let's like to get away from the them's. Oh, yeah. Let's move down some notches. Was having Lala being a point person. I don't necessarily think she was good at the job, but she knows everyone. So every single person she was like, and my best friend, my best friend. But I do think a lot of people are close with her, including the Kardashians. Everyone Nikki, likes her. Like all these people. So they did get to the top of the stairs and they were excited to see their girl Lala. And a lot of them, I thought, in a really authentic way, were like, oh, my God, you look great. Who are you wearing? Which to me felt mm -hmm. very like we're having a real conversation. We're having a real like conversation between friends now before our, you even do your interviewing part, which is like, Good for you. You're interviewing. You have a little job, you know? That was her job for a long time, you know? She is a host. It was. Oh, you're right. It was her job. She's that a was host. actually her job. Right. And she has a ton of friends and everyone likes her. It's a very smart move for the Met Gala, even though... It was a great move for them because then they put Vanessa and Hamish together and that was a little <laughs> bit of a... That was a little bit shaky, but mm -hmm. they, they got some other guests. But kind of Lala got them fresh off the carpet, which was nice because she got some moments where people would see each other and like hug. And she was able to like kind of let that roll because there was one part where she was interviewing. Oh, Nikki. And Rosalia was like, I love you and came up and hugged her or whatever. It's like, That's don't cute. touch Nikki without permission, <laughs> no matter who you are. <laughs> The difference between Vanessa and Lala is that Lala, well, first of all, Lala's been around longer. Mm -hmm. Lala has, it seems like people are actually friendly and friends with her. But with Vanessa Hudgens, it's just like people like her. Vanessa's just like magnetic and people tend to like her. But Lala, there's actually like a personal connection there that Vanessa doesn't have. It was an interesting balance of people. Right. I mean, I think Lala is a genuine friend with a lot of these people, but also, mm -hmm. but Vanessa's better, probably better at the job. They gave her a little bit of a more her co her co-host. They gave her a little bit more of a dynamic she had to balance, which was harder. Mm -hmm. Vanessa has more of a a voice. She has more of a uh, an affected voice when she has a microphone in front of her. You know, <laughs> we're talking about the Met Gala. We paid attention to it. It happened now so many days ago. What's crazy? It's already over. It people are not even talking about it anymore. Maybe the next day it's a over. little bit. Nothing really happened there that would necessitate us to discuss it post show you know i think right. people are still vaguely talking about the Marilyn Monroe dress but i i'm not we'll get there um but i'm not sure it's really like the big topic of conversation i think people are more talking about um the idea that roe versus wade is maybe going to be abolished which is not mm -hmm. a good vibe <laughs> they're like mm -hmm. mm, maybe like that happening during the met gala is a sign of the apocalypse or whatever Right. And if you think that's the sign, you haven't been paying attention for the past five years or whatever. And if you'd like to donate to some abortion funds, the hooligans set up one that we will link to in the show notes. Also, you can just donate to any of them. They all need your support right now. Again, you can just click inside the show notes if you want to right now. Before we get into calls about the Met Gala, I just want to read something about the Met Gala that came straight to my inbox. 
So Lindsay knows this. I subscribe to Cole Schaefer's newsletter. I, I know this. The whole Our whole audience knows this. You bring this up like m- multiple times. It's my favorite newsletter. Cole Schaefer's newsletter, Casey Musgraves' boyfriend. He went with Casey to the Met Gala in a tux suit. Of course. Just like all black. He was not on theme, but whatever. A lot of men are lazy. He was arm candy. That night, he sends two newsletters. One of the newsletters is about the day that he had on Monday. Oh, my girl was getting ready for a dinner party. He was like slyly, winkily calling the Met Gala a dinner party. My girlfriend was going to a dinner party and I wanted to get her flowers. And I love being in New York City because there's flowers on every corner and I love buying flowers. What a city. Then I'm thinking, okay, that's his Met Gala newsletter. Then a newsletter comes in the next morning. Just listen to this. I had a dream last night that I was at a bizarre party where everyone was dressed to the nines. The guy who bought Twitter was there. The face of Vogue was there. The most powerful woman in politics was there. Everyone was there. In this dream, nobody noticed me because I was just a flower in a vase watching the entire evening unfold. He loves flowers. And while this was an awfully lonely way to experience the dream, it allowed for moments of deep clarity like the one I'm about to share with you now. I don't think great people are great people. I think great people are ordinary people who've created themselves a reputation for doing good work consistently. This is exactly what I saw in my dream as the wallflower, peering up from my vase at all the people in the room who seemed very ordinary, save for their elegant dress and their unearthly achievements. I saw ordinary people that seemed nervous at times, or awkward at times, or unsure at times, or confused at times, or anxious at times. And perhaps this is what nobody ever tells you. Everyone is ordinary until they prove otherwise. Don't break the chain is your chance to prove otherwise. It's a 29-day writing course taught entirely via email designed to help you develop and actually stick to a daily writing practice. By the end of it, it's my hope that you will have learned to be good once a day, every day for 29 days straight. It's promo for a new writing course that he's selling for $297. Damn, it's like if Nick Carraway had any sort of entrepreneurial behavior in The Great Gatsby. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. Am I wrong? No, you're actually spot on. If Nick Carraway and Great Gatsby was like, damn, these people are rich. Also, buy my writing course because I'm trying to move up in the world. Lindsay, now that The Great Gatsby is in public domain, you have to like write a play where Cole Schaefer is Nick Carraway. <laughs> you have to. You have oh, to. His, his like, faux humbling is really inspiring, to be it's honest. It's so good. You know, so I clicked on the course because I was like, okay, how much is the course? Like I said, $297. You're going to take his course? Yeah. I'm not going to take the course. It actually already started, so I missed it. Oh. But I think you can, like, chime in. I was like, what's the deal? And he has this long thing where it's like, you will get an email from me every day at 7. Then you have to write for 45 minutes. Then you edit it for 10. Then you publish it on whatever service you use, Okay. Then it was like details and I scroll down and it says, read the fine print. Listen to this. This course is non-refundable. If you decide you don't have the grit to go for the full 29 days, I want that lack of grit to hurt a bit. I want that lack of grit to show up on your account balance at the end of the month as a reminder that you played it small. He's doming. I love that. No, wait, listen. Okay, financial dominatrix. Yes. If you you click this because you were like, ooh, maybe I'll be able to email Casey Musgraves' boyfriend. No, 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 no. He's cutting you off of the pass. This course doesn't give you access to me. I'm not your editor, mentor, sounding board, or pen pal. If you want to hire me to work with you for an hour directly, it's a hell of a lot more expensive, and that's a different conversation. Don't break the chain as a seasoned writer sliding into your inbox each day, keeping you honest as you put in the work to become a better writer. Nothing more, nothing less. So you're paying for him to send you an automated email every day? Yeah. To inspire you to write on your own? 
even Masterclass, which is probably cost less than this course, has more functionality than this this one. He says, it's not just an automated email. It's a lesson. Each morning before 9 a.m., CDT, I will send you a short, easily digestible lesson in writing. It might be me unpacking a line Joan Didion wrote that took my breath away, or me going on a long, heady, meandering rant about the writing process. Then he gives you a prompt. Then you write it for 45 minutes. I mean, people must do this. I mean, people pay more for less. So I'm not like, it's not this. Exactly. This is not like shocking to me, you know, in this way. But it's clever. I do think it's interesting to sell your writing course on the heels of your Met, Met Gala experience. <laughs> I love that he looked around and he saw like Elon Musk and he was like, I should be making more money. <laughs> just <kind of. laughs> Hi, I'm just listening to your podcast. Um, it is Monday. And, or no, sorry, Tuesday. And I'm just, I know you're about to talk about the Met Gala on Friday, and I'm just really upset with the Met Gala. I feel like it's become really hooey, and it used to be this really cool, like, influence, influence, like, sorry, influence making, like, kind of the, kind of the tastemakers will go to it. Now I just feel like it's become so hooey, and, like, you don't see people like Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen or like George Clooney and Amal anymore. I just like was wondering what, if you guys could talk about that kind of like, I know the Met Gala is a them, but I feel like it's kind of like used to be like a cooler them. And now it's just kind of like eh, a them or like I love the Kardashians, but I also just feel like they're not on the same level as some people. So I'm just, anyways, I hope you can just talk about that. You don't have to play this call, but I just wanted to share it as some just like background or just like, um, general feedback so anyways if you do me and Grace, thank you the way to like explain this is kind of confusing because it's going to sound like it makes no sense but the idea that the Met Gala wasn't as big of an event that people could consume outside of itself meaning like there when there was no Twitter when it wasn't live streamed when there wasn't the capability to watch it as a consumer really you know, you would see photos it of tough. it, but you would see them later, right? They, mm-hmm. There was no live, there was no live show of it all. Like the when Gaga did her like reveal, you couldn't really do a show like that because nobody would really see it, except for I guess the people who were there, and maybe mm-hmm. there'd be photos of it. The idea that with more coverage and more press and more attention, it then transformed into something that people actually really wanted to go to for exposure, therefore making it less of a special event for a traditional A-lister just trying to go raise money for the Met, the Met you know, which is kind mm-hmm. of what it originally was. And then you have, once there's exposure, you have like YouTubers, influencers, musicians, et cetera, like hopping on. But I do think that it hasn't really become who we it's no. just like the nature of celebrity has changed. Therefore, the celebrities that are attending are different celebrities. Like if mm-hmm. that it's like all it's it's all like in the same realm. If they still get traditional A-listers in that way, do you know what I mean? Absolutely. And I think the only thing keeping more traditional A-listers out of the Met Gala this year and last is the pandemic, which is still happening. Makes sense. I do feel like the coverage is so weird for this event because there's a live stream, you see photos, there are galleries, but there are only certain people now that are focused on the ones that either like are hosting, the ones that are known to wear like crazy things that you often will miss a lot of A-list people. Like for example, right, Claire Danes was there with Mm -hmm. her husband, Hugh Dancy. 
they're like a relatively A-list couple. They're both in movies, on TV, but like that's a big, I would call that like like glitzy, right? For them to mm-hmm. be there. One of our hottest couples. I only saw one photo of them. Like they weren't covered necessarily. It's interesting because maybe this is the only event where an A-lister couple like that could not be covered in such a big way because they didn't really wear anything that flashy and or like there are other people that wore something crazier because it's more about the fashion versus even just going. So in a lot of way, I think that people watch us and say like, where are the A-listers? And I'm like, they're there. You're just not seeing them. Right. Like George Clooney could have been there. <laughs> like, I don't think he was. I mean, I know he wasn't, but it wouldn't surprise me if he was there, but just didn't get like, you know, that much attention. And he's been. Yeah. Relatively recently, you know. But I mean, I don't think any event where like Nicki Minaj shows up, Kim Kardashian shows up, Blake Lively and Ryan Reynolds show up, even though they're insufferable. But like Sarah Jessica Parker shows up. This is still A-list. It is A-list. And it's as demi as it ever was. But also, who are the people that are taking the most photos? Who are the people documenting this the most? The younger people that you don't know. Right. The younger people that you've never heard of. But I also think, too, there's this kind of there's this interesting thing where the Met Gala has really become about designers and who they choose to bring and who they choose to wear them. So Mm -hmm. these designers are not going to want these kind of like big, old, stuffy A-listers to wear their designs. They want young, cool models and influencers to wear their designs. So you have like somebody like um, Jeremy Scott. Is that his name for Mochino? What's it? Is that his Jeremy name? Jeremy Scott, yeah. He had this like Moschino, Moschino, Moschino crew of cool girlies wearing the like designs all together. And it was Megan Thee Stallion, them, but then MJ Rodriguez, Simone Ashley, Ariana DeBose. So it's like, do you notice that he's choosing kind of more of the cool up and comer? Mm-hmm. I mean, Ariana DeBose just won an won a Oscar, but she's still relatively kind of under the radar in some ways. MJ Rodriguez from Pose, Glamour. Mm-hmm. Simone Ashley from what, Bridgerton, right? The star Bridgerton, of Bridgerton. Yeah. So it's like, it's almost like you could look at that and be like, where are the, where are the A-listers? But the idea isn't necessarily, he doesn't want some like stuffy Emma Stone. He wants some, he What's wants the trending cool topics? girls. Right. So mm-hmm. it, it kind of. I think falls more into like a fashion thing where it's just like who's going to wear the clothes better and who's going to make me look cooler and younger and more hip because Jeremy Scott isn't young. You know what I mean? Like he's not no. right. Like I just it is interesting to me the way that the strategy of everything works within this. Right. Like these big A-listers aren't necessarily going to be playing that game. Right. Mm-hmm. You have to be the muse of a designer in a way, which is why I was like. Where's my girl Julia Fox? Because she's the, so many fashion designers love her right now because she gets a lot of attention. She takes risks. She'll wear whatever. You know what I mean? She works. She will with, literally wear whatever. I know. And so it's like it's crazy to me that she wouldn't be there since she's really putting a lot of her focus on being like a fashion person and a New York fashion person. So mm-hmm. I I think you know she certainly would have been invited, and I was wondering where she was. The other like fashion house collective that I saw get a lot of attention was Tom Brown. And this was mostly thems, but some who's peppered into the mix. Cause it was Lizzo front and center. And then it was Christine Baranski, Russell Westbrook, Maisie Williams, Oscar Isaac, Elvira Lind, who, and Yahya Abdul-Mateen the second. 
Well, these were just all people who wore Tom Brown. Did they kind of walk as a crew, though? Because the Moschino thing was interesting because they walked together. Yes. Interesting. I mean, I don't know. I think our argument is kind of like where it goes back and forth. I'm not sure we have the strongest argument, but I don't think the Met Gala has become hooier. I just think it's become more consumable and therefore mm-hmm. more of a kind of cesspool of celebrity versus being for one versus being what it originally was, which was a dinner party that raised money for the Met. We see it from so many more angles now than we ever have before. We see into the shadows to an extent that we never have before. So, of course, we're just seeing more people and more people are talking about it. I know. And it's kind of fun because it's the only real and I don't know this will ever change because of the way that it's televised but not televised, meaning you can watch the Vogue stream. You can watch it on E, I think. But there's no show. It's mostly like the show is on Twitter. And that's very rare right now. That's very rare for any sort of event you know that exists mostly on twitter with like retweets and like responding and posting or whatever no like in many ways no but it's it's the show was on twitter very organically in a way that i think a lot of brands and pieces of media specifically tv would kill for right it's so unique in that everyone wants to watch it but there's really nothing to watch aside from what's on twitter yeah i mean it's just so it's so rare that something exists so fully by necessity on Twitter Mm -hmm. because like these award shows are not unless it's kind of the Oscars, which still has a very big Twitter thing. It's just, it has to live somewhere or it like, honestly, it lives in your group texts, right? Like the event happens. Like if there are people to engage with the looks with you, you know, Mm -hmm. to make it fun. Without fail every year, people are like, I love to make comments on like high fashion while I'm in my lounge pants and have crumbs all over my chest, which is, how I always watch it that's what makes it so fun and that's what makes it so easy to engage with because you're looking for other opinions right you want to share other opinions and also that's what they want though this is these are consumer based brands they want engagement from the people in their pajamas they want you to aspire to wear Tom Brown they want you to see yourself wearing Tom Brown and to know what looks good and what doesn't I mean come on on like the idea that you wouldn't as a lay person wouldn't even be allowed to engage in like fashion commentary it's like that's what they want for you mm-hmm. if they only talk to people who were these fashion experts there there's there's no goal there's no value in that for them right they want to be right. cool but they also want to be aspirational and like that's why I kind of like love those jokes because they're kind of like everybody's making the same joke out of insecurity like mm-hmm. who am I to say this looks ugly but it's like you're perfectly that's a consumer Your object are you're, valid. Per, exactly. you're perfectly allowed to say you don't like the way that that fits yep. his bodice or whatever yep yep <laughs> or you're allowed to say that's not on theme and that's why I think the theme is such a good tool for the Met to the Met Gala every year to have any sort of kind of engagement because then you say oh is it on theme what's the theme mean we're all like investing in this conversation about what gilded glamour means and it's great and then you can go see the exhibit if you want the exhibit's the best part. If you live in New York or you're coming to New York, Are you, gonna you go? gotta go see the exhibit. Oh yeah, I always go. It's great. Oh, okay. And I always pay $1. <laughs> <laughs> I think it costs extra though. Are you sure? No, it doesn't. Okay. $1. <laughs> <laughs> I think they actually stopped doing that for people who don't have New York IDs. But uh, well. don't pay more than you have to to the Met. Let me tell you something. They have more money than God. You do not need to give them more money. Well, I mean, they're hosting this big, they're raising money every year. Let, let Lake Lively pay them. You don't have to pay them. 
Exactly. That department, the whatever, the costume society, whatever it is. Blake Lively. Oh, my God. Part it of me was sort of comforted by seeing Blake Lively. I love her. She's she's so glamorous. It's a, this this night is about being someone like that. Adeline she's like, herself. She's like Sarah Jessica Parkering. She knows it. She wants to be like New York girl about town who's like, you know, this is her thing. And you know <laughs> when Sarah Jessica and Matthew got COVID at Plaza Suite? Ugh. Sarah Jessica was like, I'd rather get it now than later so I can go I to the know. Met Gala, you know? I know. Anyway, She was thrilled. She had a great time. Hi, Who Weekly. Who is Evan Mock? I feel like I'm seeing him in all of the Met Gala coverage and, like, they're being referred to like he's a, a them. Um, did I miss something? Crunch, crunch. Hi, Lindsay and Bobby. This is really simple. Who's Conan Gray at the Met Gala? Please tell me. Thank you. Good form, Bella Thorne. So according to one wikipedia.com, there are articles for six. Frederick, Frederick Robertson, but not one. Our, our uh, feathered, spiky, mangled, not Jared Leto, um, distinguished gentleman, or gentle bays from last night. Guys, I have covid as a special COVID treat, would you please explain to me who uh, Frederick Robinson is? He sounds Swedish, but uh, he was waving a tiny little flag. Um, may have been in support of Ukraine. I would love to know um, who this man is who is wearing um, a Mechelle outfit that looks like it was destined for Grimes, but got sent to the uh, wrong destination on the way. Um, so, yes, as a special COVID treat, please explain to me who Frederick Robertson is. Thank you. Love you. I'm grateful for Sharna. We've talked about two of these who's before, but I guess they made enough of a splash to be kind of zhuzhed back up into, like, the who are they they realm. There were a lot of who are they's uh, on the carpet because I do think there are a lot of just, like, hot people, you know? Yes. And also hot people in costumes. So it was sort of like, do I know who this is or do I not know who this exactly, is? Exactly, exactly, exactly. So first we had, again, these are two people we've talked about. We have Evan Mock and Conan Gray, two hunks who <laughs> showed out. I think it's interesting that it's these two people that we're pulling out are happen to be two men who wore not suits and not tuxes, who, yes. liked, who like decided to be who tried. outside men the box. Who tried. Which also, which I feel like you get brownie points as a man for not going the traditional route of being kind of a arm candy for somebody on in a couple and just wearing like whatever matches their look or whatever kind of blends mm -hmm. you out of the, you know, into the scenario. They both were like, I, we're here to give, we're here to give men's fashion. It is interesting because in terms of like Tom Brown of it all, he had just had that like buzzy fashion show full of amazing men, menswear. So it would make mm -hmm. sense and it's like cool to go in something thoughtful like that and they did yeah evan mock was in a brand called head of state that i'd never heard of but the moment i heard the name head of state i was like that sounds cool and trendy <laughs> it sounds cool and trendy to me so timmy's note says skater turned model turned actor but i think what's funny about this is that he's kind of skater turned model turned actor turned model He's going back to his roots totally in a way. Right. And I think that's why he's so comfortable in stuff like this. It's skater turned model turned actor turned, oh, this guy is really hot. And now he's a little bit more famous. Yes. So we can just like turn him back into a model a little bit or mm -hmm. turned like spokesperson or something like, you know, what, whatever yes. you become when you're not a mom, when you're famous, but you're modeling, you know. Mm -hmm. Anyway, this guy is hot. He wears fashion well. And so I think it's like that's what we're going with here. 
Yeah. Who is Evan Mock? He's on Gossip Girl. I don't watch that show, uh, so I don't know a ton, but he's hot. He was a muse. He was kind of a muse for Virgil Abloh. He was a muse for a kind of Louis Vuitton. He was also a muse for the writer of Gossip Girl who said he didn't want to do this. I talked him into it. I wrote the role for him. I reached out and to see if he was interested. He sort of was. He sort of wasn't. And Conan Gray is a singer. And of Olivia Rodrigo's best friend. That's the last time we talked about him because we talked about the fact that he is Olivia Rodrigo's best friend. They're besties. Oh, yeah. he sh- She shouted him out in her like acceptance speech he was like thank mm-hmm. you to my friends like iris apatow and like conan. and conan <laughs> um thank you to my amazing parents and my best friends iris maddie and conan i love you guys not o'brien i was just going to say it's hilarious that there's a new conan i didn't think the time would come where there'd be like another conan but when you think of conan you think of o'brien but people younger than you are thinking of gray 100 percent sooner than o'brien I'm surprised that there's a new Iris. Other oh, who's the old Iris? The old Iris, Iris Murdoch, famously oh. played by both Judy Dench and Kate Winslet in okay. the movie Iris. Relax, okay. <laughs> and now when people hear Iris, they don't think Murdoch, Judy Dench, or Kate Winslet. They think Apatow. Her name was Iris Murdoch. You love words, don't you? One doesn't have words. How does one think? She challenged the boundaries of what was safe. Perhaps it's time we made love. Conan is a singer. He has songs, too. And they're relatively popular, I think. They're, they're very popular. popular. They're very popular. Tell all of your friends that I'm crazy and drive you mad that I'm such a stalker, a watcher, a psychopath. And tell them you hate me and dated me just for laughs. So why do you call me and tell me you want me back? The number one who on the red carpet, though, was Frederick Robertson. But only because people thought it was... Jared Leto. But it wasn't. People were like <laughs> reporting it as Jared Leto. But then people were like, that's not Jared Leto, which is pretty funny because, first of all, it steals thunder from Jared Leto, which is fun because he couldn't top this guy's like very and that's cool a them. look. Right. And Jared Leto's a them. That's like that's like saying, oh, wow, uh, Chris Pratt on the Met Gala red carpet. And it's someone in this like crazy avant-garde drag. And then people are like, no, that's not Chris Pratt. That's Friedrich. Well, he came as a guest of the designer. Speaking of Iris's. Her name was Iris. Van Herpen. He was her, one of her plus ones and was mm. wearing like a custom look for her. So like it's interesting because one of the ways you can get into the Met Gala is come as a designer's essentially walking mannequin <laughs> like to wear <laughs> to wear a look yes if they don't have a celebrity to wear a look you can be the person who wears the look because the idea mm-hmm. is like to kind of show all the different designers do you know his, looks do you know what his job is it's so funny mm, no i mean according to vogue he is a street style icon okay mm. but his actual job like on his linkedin apparently it would say creative director for the swedish hair care company bjorn axen love that <laughs> So he's just like a cool Swede who kind of looked like Jared Leto and would, was wearing something Jared Leto might wear. Right. So I shouldn't have said Chris Pratt because Chris Pratt never would have taken a risk. Jared Leto would have actually taken a fashion risk. No, you yes. were you were exaggerating for a fact. No, Chris Pratt would never. What's funny is that later Jared Leto does show up and he's like in a twin outfit with the Gucci designer. Like they both look the same. And everyone's mm-hmm. like, oh, that's what you chose? Like, oh, that's you? Okay. <laughs> but it's funny because the way that he came looking like a twin with somebody else when people already thought he was there as this other guy. Pretty funny. So technically he kind of proved his point. He really loves to he really loves to uh go method. He really loves Did to blend think, into the background, yeah? 
Did you think Jared Leto's hair was extensions or real? Oh, I don't. Did even you see think, his really long hair? I didn't think about it. Sorry. Oh. Did you? Just wondering. Oh, I'm okay. just wondering. I feel like you're good at spotting extensions. You do it sometimes. <laughs> I mean, you're like extensions. He, he has Here pretty. Look. He has pretty good hair. Did you send it to me? Yeah. Let's see. Oh, that's extensions. 100. percent Yeah. <laughs> I was in Florida this past weekend, and guess what was. The talk of the town. Your mom's aura frame? The aura frame. The aura frame kept, it was scrolling through every photo. I was like, oh, oh, there's that. Oh, there's that. Oh, there. I'm like, where'd they get that photo? There's always a photo where I'm like, where'd they get that photo? How'd they get that photo? I don't know where my mom gets the gifts that she sends me. Like when she <laughs> sends me a text gift, I'm like, where did you find that? And sometimes I look at her aura frame and I'm like, where did you download this? No, I'm like, where did you get this photo from? Whose Instagram did you steal this photo off of? You know? They love to steal from, and they love to just screenshot and not yeah. crops. It'll just oh. be like a cropped iPhone It'll just be photo a full that's Instagram. on the Aura frame. They exactly, with comments and everything. It'll just be on. <laughs> it'll be zoomed in sometimes, so it's extra blurry. But you know what? That's how easy it is to get the photos on the Aura frame because my parents can figure out how to do it. Do they do yes. it well? No, but do they do it? Yes. And the other thing that's great about Aura frames, when you give them to your mom, your mother, a mother in your life, a mother mm-hmm. figure, it's a great Mother's Day gift, whoever the mother in your life is. You can connect it to your oh, yeah. Aura app and, and you, you can, can just photos. send them photos. You right. can, if they approve it, you can just put photos and kind of troll them and have fun and put random photos. I do it to Lindsay sometimes. Yeah, he does. Um, you can do it to your mom. My mom gave me access because she likes putting you gotta be likes careful. Ad photos. You got to be a little careful with that, but you, you, should, you could do it, but you should do it. You got to be a little bit careful. But <laughs> Aura frames are Wi-Fi connected and they come with unlimited storage because it's all in the cloud. So you can share as many photos as you want from your phone to mom's frame. Not only will she be grateful, it's not another sweater. She'll love that an Aura frame means she gets to see more of you. So right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code WHO at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. We got new boots, and I'm so thrilled. They're Tacova's boots. And you know why I'm so excited about getting Tacova's boots and why I was so happy to get mine why? in the mail? Because why? the girlies from Potomac went to the Tacova store in the most recent season of Real Houses of Potomac, and I was like, if Robin and Karen have Tacovas, I want Tacovas. Well, I have a good reason too, because I've been doing a bunch of line dancing and I didn't have any cowboy boots. And so I got my Tacovas. Oh. And let me tell you, the difference it makes to be dancing in cowboy boots. Huge. On the line dancing Huge floor. That's amazing. Oh, yeah. So you can really smack the floor and swing around. You need cowboy boots. Yeah, I didn't get cowboy boots. I got Chelsea boots, but they're great. They're brown. Oh, my God. I can't wait to see them. They're just, I like taking them on and off. They're so lovely. They're kind of a beautiful leather. They're beautiful leather. Well, they're bringing a fresh perspective to heritage boot making. They've carried forward all the time-honored traditions and quality you find in a great pair of cowboy boots, but they've innovated on comfort, style, and service. It's true because cowboy boots can be a little bit hard to mm-hmm. break in. Yep. You know? Yep. Mine, I was swinging around, no pain. <laughs> no pain. And Tacova's is Western to their core. They offer a bunch of other head-to-toe Western staples like trucker jackets, the perfect jeans, performance pearl snaps, cowboy hats, bandanas, you name it. They'll get you outfitted. They believe in Western for all. And you can feel that when you go into their stores. When you walk in, you'll be greeted like family. I saw them do it to the girlies from the Real House of Potomac. It seemed like they were being greeted like family. You'll be offered a boot shine and a drink. Yes, even the hard stuff if you prefer. And you can get custom fitted for a new pair of boots. But if you can't make it into a store, Tacova's delivers the most premium quality and the most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit Tacova's.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com and point your toes west. 
Hey, Lindsay and Bobby. Long time, long time. I feel like you're probably going to get a bunch of calls about this stuff. Um, but I'm just wondering, how does Ripley's Believe It or Not have this infamous Marilyn Monroe dress? Um, I mean, I'd say the dress is a them, uh, for sure. From everything I've heard, Kim Kardashian to them, who wore the dress. So, I mean, if Ripley's Believe It or Not, is that a them? Are they them? the company or is it like a who in my mind I kind of got it mixed up with Madame Tussauds you know they have locations all over um, and apparently the stress was located in Orlando and it made the local news just wondering crunch crunch this dress this took me so long to kind of figure out where it was like Kim is wearing the Marilyn Monroe happy birthday Mr. President dress and it took me a while to realize she was actually wearing the Marilyn Monroe happy birthday Mr. President dress. I thought it was fully a replica and when I realized that it was the actual dress that's when I found it it was Ripley's Believe It or Not and I think I had the exact same reaction as this caller but when you look into it it's not that weird. It was just because Ripley's won an auction for this. It was at the time the most expensive dress ever sold. They bought it as an investment for their business. It's a tourist attraction now. Like going to a very specific Ripley's I believe it travels around the world to various Ripley's locations. For a while it was on display in St. Augustine, Florida and it makes them money because people pay to go see it. It makes sense but Ripley's itself as a brand has become kind of confusing because it's kind of like mm -hmm. went from like circus sideshows to now kind of being like you know it, you would think a dress like this would be in the Met Celebrity right like in the permanent yeah. collection yeah. but in a way it's almost a sideshow piece where it kind of you think goes around like that's what's funny is they're trying to like Ripley's itself is not like quote unquote an elevated brand right you think of like wax figures and stuff like that but in fact mm -hmm. they have quite a valuable collection and at a point at a point they were able to and probably still able to actively acquire things they acquired this dress I would argue it costs a lot of money just to even keep this dress a thing oh, and yeah. the personnel that they had to you know kind of bring the dress to Kim and with fit with conservationists and this and that like clearly there's enough money there to pay for the care of the dress so that's interesting they have to keep it at like the fancy cube smart on Atlantic they have they can't keep it at the normal <laughs> cube smart it has to be at the really climate controlled one you know what's funny is like I think it's great for Ripley because it's like they're now being they're having Ripley's believe it or not said near like at on on the same level as the Met right like they're mm -hmm. like oh we had to lend our beautiful and iconic most famous dress in the world to your star you know like you don't you don't it's not in your collection it's in our collection another connection and another reason that it works for their brand to acquire this dress is because when they bought this dress about six seven years ago they paid about five million dollars for it they won it at auction and they set the guinness world record for most expensive dress who owns guinness world records ripley's so right. they were, in a way, bumping up two kind of prized things in their catalog, Ripley's Believe yes. It or Not, and the as most like a museum, and also dress. the Guinness World exactly. Record. Exactly. Yeah. Always trying to stay relevant. So Marilyn Monroe paid originally for the dress $1,500. It sold at auction in 1999 for over a million, and then it sold for $4.8 million. 
quote, I'm a big fan of auctions and I own several JFK pieces. So I know the owner of Julian's. He was able to connect me with Ripley's. And that's how the conversation started, said Kim Kardashian. I love the idea that Kim's like, I'm a big JFK collector. It's like, sure you are, bitch. Okay. So weird. Did you notice that Chris dressed as like Jackie and her daughter dressed as Marilyn? That's twisted, Very right? Weird. Twisted. Yeah. And then Pete was vaguely JFK. He wasn't JFK. He was just there. Don't act like it. Like he didn't. I hate that people were like, and Pete's JFK. It's like Pete's just there. He's alongside. They gave Pete like a very strange spray tan that people were saying was supposed to make him reminiscent of no. JFK. No, no, I don't know what's going on with the two of them. So I'm willing to believe he was dressed as JFK. No, I don't like it at all. And I don't believe it. Before we get into whether or not the dresses are who are them, which yes, we have an opinion on. And we're fighting Timmy with it about it. The Ripley's Believe It or Not dress was only worn on the red carpet. She couldn't take it inside. I guess they were worried about her sloshing drinks and food on it. So she wore the real dress outside. Then she took it off. Then she put on a replica and wore it inside. There's like a certified copy situation happening on out here. Even though she lost like 15 pounds to fit in the dress, which is disgusting. And she shouldn't have really talked about it. The dress still wouldn't fit over her ass. So her ass was kind of not in the dress. So she had to wear the stole, (laughs) the like the because the dress was like kind of pinned around her tush, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which is kind of interesting because people are mad because they were like, well, the dress, first of all, it's supposed to be it's supposed to match your skin tone. It doesn't even match her skin tone. and It doesn't really fit her correctly. I was mad Mm -hmm. because like in my mind, what why Marilyn looks so good in that dress is because she's kind of not wearing any shapewear. It's because yeah. it didn't exist really then in that way. Mm-hmm. Like it did exist, but not in that fashion. And like it Kim was form is so fitting a particular form. But you know? the idea that you would have like a little bit of body, like the body that Marilyn had is not like on trend now. It's like Kim's body. It's like literally sucked in shapeless <laughs> shape layer, shapewear body. And if you look at the original wear, way that she wears the dress, you can like kind of see like some curves and there's like some, it, there's like a little bit of excitement there. And it's like mm-hmm. you, they took away kind of the entire thing. But you know what? Yeah. Whatever. She, if anything, it's on theme because it's all about new money and she is the ultimate in new money legends, you know, like. Yeah. The Kardashians want you to remember they're, they're in a way, very self-made. Get your fucking ass up and work. It seems like nobody wants to work these days. You That's have to, so true. You have to surround yeah. yourself with people that want to work. So Timmy's argument is that the only themmy Marilyn Monroe dress no. is the white dress that everyone dresses up as for Halloween that swooshes up because of the subway uh-uh. wind. I think that both of these dresses are thems, but... I think that the white dress is themier because there aren't as many crystal clear images of this dress. I think that's the main reason. And when people dress up as Marilyn Monroe, they typically choose the white one. But at the time, this dress was so talked about because she wasn't really allowed contractually to wear this type of sexy clothing. And the dress was like, she looked nude. Like that, like mm-hmm. Kim actually, it's the skin funny. Tone like, was the point. It's not the most scandalous thing Kim has ever worn by a long shot, but it was like one of the scandalous things like anyone had ever worn because she looked naked in it. Mm-hmm. If anything, it's closer to the effect that like when Britney Spears wore her like little nude, like remember that from the toxic music video? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, a, a, a garment that really fits and makes you look like you're totally naked and covered in rhinestones. I mean, nowadays somebody would just be totally naked and covered in rhinestones if they wanted to be. You know what I mean? <laughs> Like, it wouldn't matter. Yeah. You wouldn't need a dress to, like, cover your vagina. <laughs> Vanessa Hudgens' dress was, was sexier than <laughs> this Marilyn Monroe dress. Right. Truly. But what's interesting to me is, like, that's – it's 
it's like Kim wearing this dress like stripped the dress of all its like original sex appeal in Mm -hmm. a way because it's being worn by somebody who there's nothing sexy on her about this dress this dress is just a relic and I guess it's nice to see it out and about or whatever because it's like what's the point of a dress being stored in a box which you know Mm -hmm. whatever but and I'm sure Marilyn Monroe would appreciate like the most famous woman in America maybe in the world wearing her dress it's cool it's interesting it's kind of fun maybe she would Mm -hmm. hate it I don't know I don't know her ghost but the point is is that on Kim there is nothing special she could have just been a mannequin is what I'm saying there's nothing thematically interesting about it other than the new money thing that I said the look is not compelling I liked her wet right. look from whatever years ago that was fun look that <laughs> remember was good. that one I love when she dressed as a couch I, I loved the couch <laughs> me too, I thought the me couch too. was so cool me too and like you know? that was I know and she was like kind of upset about that one but I was like that's your best one this dress was less about the dress than it was about the flex like look at what I'm capable of as right. this woman you can't do this I can do this right yeah even if they didn't love the look, everybody has to admire the work. She went to Ripley. She talked to them. She got the dress. She got the fitting. And the idea of the Met is who can prepare the most? You know, what's who mm-hmm. can prep the most? Meanwhile, Amanda Lepore, who was like, Kim, why'd you choose those shoes with that dress? <laughs> well, she <laughs> you had to wear, ridiculous. Well, she wore pleasers. Like, she wore stripper heels because she had to be taller. But it's kind of funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Amanda Lepore. Amanda Lepore like, being like, babe, <laughs> this was not correct. Is very funny to me. Um, I love that. Okay. Anyways, we're getting Vemi here. Let's rank the questions. Let's do it. Hi, Lindsay Bobby. Um, I was wondering if you could rate uh, from whoiest to themiest the three questions that Lala Anthony, Vanessa Hudgens, and Hamish Bowles were seemingly allowed to ask on the Vogue at gala carpet, uh, the questions were, who are you wearing? Um, what does gilded glamour mean to you? And uh, what are you most looking forward to tonight? Uh, thank you so much. I look forward to your responses. Goodbye. Who are you wearing? What does gilded glamour mean to you? And what are you most looking forward to tonight? <laughs> Okay, I would say the hooeyest is what does Gilded Glamour mean to you? Since the answer yeah, is a hundred percent gonna be just gobbledygook, just the the most <laughs> just nonsense. like the theme itself. Yes, just nonsense. And then the second, and then I would say next on the list is what are you most looking forward tonight? Which mm-hmm. is you know they always say that, but for the Met, it's special because we don't get to see what they do. Exactly. Like they like go in there and they just fuck around and we're not invited. You know. God, I miss the amalgamation of Woodward and Bernstein. Kiki Palmer reporting live from inside the Met Gala last year making fun of the food. That was fun. We never got to see inside and Kiki was like, look at this food. I missed that this year. They probably were a lot stricter. Well, then they got in trouble. They had to like, it's like nothing ever gets to be fun for long. Kiki really tried her (laughs) damnedest to, then she had to apologize. It's like, shut up. Everyone shut up. Okay. The number one themiest question of all on any red carpet ever is who are you wearing? My God, it is the question. It's so funny. Who are you wearing? I was laughing. I wanted to see exactly what Kiki wrote, and it's funnier than I remembered. She posted a photo of her half-eaten food and said, this is why they don't show you all the food. I'm just playing. (laughs) (laughs) Right. See, she tried to. (laughs) 
She's who was so it? It was good. like, what was it? Marcus Samuelson was the chef or something. And he was like, uh, I prepared a very wonderful vegan meal. And she was like, yeah, it was great. I'm kidding. Oh my God, you're right. The food was all ve- it was even It was even worse because it was like they really were doing a thing and it was like trash. Hi, Lindsay and Bobby. I'm calling because my friend just posted a um, uh, a video that was all about how Kiala settle um, of This Is Me fame uh, and Broadway actress is now speaking with a British accent. And um, what <laughs> um, is this her attempt? I don't know. She's apparently American, but I, I don't know. I don't want to get into it. But yes, um, it's curious. Does being a who make you British? Crunch, crunch. Wait, what? Kiala Settle, who was the bearded lady in the box office and cultural smash, This Is Me. Sorry, Miss The Greatest Showman. Stop. (laughs) The Greatest Showman. This is The Greatest Show. born (laughs) Born in Hawaii. Has been on Broadway many times, like was in the Hands on a Hard Body musical. I never saw that. I only saw the documentary, but I should have seen that. That seemed fun. Okay. Then she was Bearded Lady. She performed at the Oscars. Remember she was in Rent Live that we watched together. That was fun. Okay. Again, she's American. Here's how she sounded when she was promoting The Greatest Showman on AOL Build. Okay. Here's an old interview of her promoting The Greatest Showman in 2017. Who is paying attention to this? There was a moment in the song that I actually was so scared that I had to actually grab Hugh's hand so that I had somebody to hold on to. And then we got to the end of the number, and all I remember is just deafening, deafening applause. It was a sort of otherworldly experience. So that's what she sounded like in 2017. Here's what she sounds like after doing a run of shows in the UK. Um, I think she lives there now for the most part. And this is what she sounded like recently, which spurred Daily Mail headlines like, wait, she's got a British accent? Hawaiian-born Greatest Showman star Kiala Settle, whose father is from the UK, surprises fans during this morning interview. Listen. I've always, to be quite honest, been always been afraid. (laughs) I mean, I did a lot of therapy when This Is Me came out because so many people... Their lives, and continue to be, their lives are changing. (laughs) I've always been afraid. (laughs) Wait, when did she become like Julie Andrews in Mary Poppins? When did she become a chimney sweep? Like, what is this? (laughs) Timmy goes, this is literally me after watching Love Island UK. Okay, fair, 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 fair. But this is crazy. This is more than Madonna's (laughs) subtle hydrangeas uh, era accent. It's so Madonna to me. I think it's funny, but I also think it's totally reasonable. And based on the study that I found on McGill.ca, science backs me up. This just happens. You would find science. This just happens. What does that mean? I mean, speaking from personal experience, when I go home to Texas, my mom has a bit of a twang, like a southern twang. So when I talk to her, sometimes my twang comes out. When I talk to other people who have a twang, my twang comes out. And I feel like if I were there for months and months and months or years and years and years around that accent, it would turn up even higher. You're saying she moved to England? She swerved into it. Yeah, that's where she's lived. She's doing Sister Act on the in, in the UK now. And I think because she has a family connection to England, she's been there a lot over the pandemic. And I think it's just sort of like infected her speech. 
I, I think this happens to people who emigrate to other countries and move to other countries. And in this study, which is so funny that I found, they used contestants on Big Brother UK as the evidence. It's such a great control group because they have to live in this house with each other for three months and they don't get to interact outside the house. So their accents shift into... Their accents shift. Yeah. Here's, here's what this said. The analysis showed that accent change over the medium term is ubiquitous. Large daily fluctuations in sound variable are the norm. Longer term change over weeks to months occurs in a minority of cases. So Kiala is a minority of cases. I mean, she's leaning in, though. No, I mean, this is like she's really going off. This is not just like a subtle Lindsay Lohan. I live in Dubai, so now I sound kind of crazy accent. This is like <laughs> truly like governor. Good evening, governor. You know, top of the morning to you, whatever. Let's have let's have a chat. I've always, to be quite honest, been always been afraid. <laughs> so, so and again, I'm not a scientist, but I would assume that a lot of this has to do with the fact that her profession is literally acting. I know. I don't know. I just think that this is very understandable, but we it's funny it. to hear the actual comparison. We get the science, but it's still hilarious. <laughs> it's hilarious. Hi, Weekly. Um, I just saw on the Selling Sunset Reddit page that, or subreddit, whatever, that Chriselle and G Flip were spotted in Denver last night holding hands after the show. I know, I know, we need like positive, like kissing to make it true, but it looks pretty true. And G Flip commented that she needs to be not with a man. Um, I can totally send you the post if you want, but I'm sure you guys are going to find it. Um, good for her. Bye. Okay, I have to roll back my. Assertion that Rochelle <laughs> oh, was no. strictly dickly by saying that this is amazing and I'm so happy for her. And she's in Denver finding love. To be fair, you said she's the type of person who would say strictly dickly. And I think that doesn't change the fact that maybe upon her first uh, experience with G Flip, Rochelle would have said, I can't believe I used to think I was strictly dickly, <laughs> you know? <laughs> right. Like, she's very much, a, she was like, I couldn't, I couldn't. And then very much I like, couldn't. I, I could, could and I will. And this is fun. It is becoming more and more apparent. I mean, I think there are people tracking this more intently than we are because it. the minute you Google it, it, com it all comes up. But mm -hmm. there are so many kind of signs that these two are really into each other really into each other. I love that they were spotted for the first time, I don't know, engaging in PDA in Denver, kind of random. They were spotted outside of a concert and I did a crazy bit of work because at the time when I was looking this up last night, it just said they were spotted at a concert on Saturday night in Denver, Sunday morning, early Sunday morning, late Saturday night. G Flip, a 27-year-old non-binary star from Australia, is wearing a red jacket and loose-fitted jeans while Stouts wore denim and a crop black ja leather jacket. Neither of them have confirmed the speculation, though the crooner's recent social media behavior hints that the two may well indeed be dating. Mm -hmm. Well, someone tweeted at Chriselle last week, Chriselle, you're too pretty to be with a man. And G Flip responded to that random person and said, agreed. Agreed. <laughs> Incredible. So... I looked up all of the concerts that were happening in Denver. I went to like a Denver nightlife website and I just clicked on every single venue that had a show that night. And by the time it wasn't, in, I thought it was a lost cause. And I looked at the Google map and I went to street view. Only you would do this awning. amount of work for something so useless. This like so useless stupid. reveal. Yeah. Uh -huh. And I was looking for the awnings and like the architecture of all of the venues. 
And it was failure after failure after failure after failure, like 10 pieces of failure. That's not the right venue. Then on the second page of events, I got to a show for an artist named Lauren Sanderson, clicked the marquee theater, and there was the blue striped wall that Chriselle and G-Flip are walking in front of in the sneaky photo. And it turns out Lauren Sanderson is an artist, went to Lauren Sanderson's Instagram page. She was posting about every single show that she's doing. She's on tour now. So I went to her Denver show, which was a few posts behind in the grid, and it is a photo dump. It's a carousel. And in the second frame of the carousel, you will see a video of Chriselle doing like an impression of Lauren Sanderson. Because the caption is, swipe to see Chriselle Staus after one Lauren Sanderson show. Like, mm-hmm. oh. But also, aren't like, they aren't they all on a song called like Gay For Me or something? Like, yes. What's this? <laughs> Yes. Yeah, it's so fun. She said she's only gay for me. And I don't know what to believe. Yeah, she said she's only gay for me. Gay for me. As of this morning, there were more people commenting on the TikToks and the Reddits. And again, these are just commenters, you know, take it with a grain of salt. But one person who goes by Allie, Taylor's version on TikTok, said, I was at the Lauren Sanderson concert, and we, after we met G-Flip and told them to go to our gay bar, and they showed up with Chriselle. It was great. Also, they were making out a lot. Ha ha ha. Yeah, so it's legit. It's official. Chriselle and G-Flip making out at Lauren Sanderson shows in Denver, Colorado. Good for Chriselle. Um, Kiernan, Shipka, Kieran Culkin. Who's them here? Um, Kate Winslet in the water. Kiernan Shipka or Kiernan Culkin, who's them here? Kate Winslet in the water. Beautiful bird chirping in the background. Kind of a oh, lovely call. Beautiful. Beautiful. Who is them here? Culkin or Shipka? I think the answer is Kieran Culkin because of the family, but Kiernan Shipka is, I would say, higher on the IMDb star meter right now. Who do you think is higher on the IMDb star meter? Kiernan Shipka or Kiernan Culkin? Honestly, Shipka. Yeah. That's what I thought too. So Kiernan Shipka on the Hollywood star meter is in the top 500 of the Hollywood star meter. She is up 38 this week. Let's go to IMDb Pro. She is number 342 on the star meter. Okay. Kieran Culkin is... Number 1,622. That's correct. So I think Shipka's themier, vaguely. Yeah. I mean, I think that the star meter doesn't mean anything, but I uh, I do think that she is... I think that she's themier, actually. Because yeah. Culkin, like, is a big name, but you always, I always get the boys mixed up. And also... Rory, Holly, Kieran. Right, like, I, there's just a lot of them. And also, I think that though being a very popular show, Succession is somehow more niche than like Mad Men and Sabrina combined. She really has an mm-hmm. expansive audience with those things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is tough. Maybe they're kind of neck and neck though. I do think that Kiernan Shipka kind of edges him out. Mm-hmm. I think that she has the uh, young Hollywood thing going for her. You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. she has so much on the horizon, whereas Kieran Culkin is very much like, Succession. His thing is succession. Fortunately, his thing is huge. His thing is great. But Kieran has a lot of her 20s left, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Next call. Hi, the weekly. Long time, long time. Um, Jody, Jody Turner Smith and Cody Smith McPhee. Jody Turner Smith, Tony Kirk, not Tony, Jody, Cody Smith McPhee. This is the name in this call. French French. This is rude. These are, these people are also neck and neck. This is like the same person. I'm trying to think. I really don't know. They're mm. like this. I think Cody Smith by a hair because of power of the dog. Because he, of an Oscar nomination. Yeah. By a hair. Barely. Though. But Jody's so much more regularly covered. Sure. But if you were like, but literally somebody was like, who's that to me? And I was like, oh, that's Jody Turner Smith. And they were like, she's beautiful. What has she been in? And I was like. I couldn't remember. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> well, also, the only thing you'd know about Cody Smith McPhee is you'd say, well, power of the dog. What else? And then you go, uh, right. who's a child actor and some stuff? Right, but that's uh, right. But at least I would, that's like the, that's most recent memory. Right. I mean, I know Jody has been in a lot of stuff, but it's just like one of those I things I think I'd just I say just Queen went, and Slim would be uh, the first thing that right, popped Queen up. Queen and Slim. Right. But that movie didn't really move or shake, did it? But who do we think will net out to being the bigger them i think jody turner smith but if we're talking now cody smith mcphee <laughs> i hate that their names agree? both have one is smith and one is smith and that's why this has to be uh, jody and cody smith and smith and jody and cody completely different names jody and cody um i i i have a hard time knowing who's gonna net out because i think that she's amazing but he's kind of a freak <laughs> in a good way do you know what her next movie is? Yeah, she's. it's this huge thing. She's playing like the queen or something, right? Well, she's Anne Boleyn in that show, yeah. but I think that show's already happened. Okay. And then she's oh. in Ooh. this movie. Um, She's in the uh, Noah Baumbach movie that's based on the Don DeLillo book, White Noise. Uh-huh. So that's big for her. Uh-huh. But you know what her... She's in a big comedy coming up, Lindsay. Comedy? A sequel to a comedy I know you love. Oh, and I loved it too, oh, honestly. Oh, no. What? It's a straight-to-Netflix comedy. Uh-oh. What's the only straight to Netflix comedy you love? Uh, bad. Um, the one with um, what's his face? The, the uh, bat. Bad. What's the Jackass type movie that was a comedy on Netflix that had was what's his face? Oh, with Eric Andre. Yeah, what's that called again? Bad Trip. Bad Trip is my favorite Netflix comedy. Why? Is not. Okay, bad. well, I was gonna say Murder Mystery. Oh, that's not my favorite. <laughs> She's in Murder Mystery. I don't like too. that. I didn't like that. Only you I thought you liked that. Murder Mystery. No, only you Murder did. Mystery. No, good for her. That's really a funny. it's a big one, I guess. But that kind of is not good for her because she won't be the star of that. That's kind of just like a secondary role always. It's not going to, you know. She's third build, but sure, I don't really know what that means. Yeah. Okay. I just don't oh, think Oh, she's that... actually fifth build. Oh, my God. <laughs> after the, after Melanie Laurent and Mark I mean, Strong. I'm sure that's a great check in her pocket, but I just don't. I, I don't know. Not as good as Bad Trip, I'll tell you that. <laughs> that's true. Not okay, Bad else. Trip is better, but I do like Murder Mystery. Mm-hmm. Next call. I just watched the Spring Awakening documentary, and my friend and I are having an argument. Who's the bigger who? Jonathan Groff or Skylar Aston? Anyway, crunch, crunch. Bye. This one's easy, unfortunately, and the answer mm-hmm. is Jonathan Groff by like a mile. No? By a couple of miles. Yeah. If you said Skylar Aston or um, what's his face, Dear Evan Hansen, that would be a little bit of a closer race. 
You mean Ben Platt? Yeah. <laughs> or Skylar Aston and Ben Platt's boyfriend Noah Galvin. That would be even a closer race. Did I did I tell you my mom my mom's friend my mom's neighbors were in New York briefly and they were like, Oh, they're seeing a show tonight and I was like, What are they seeing? And my mom goes the one about something about a broken hand. <laughs> I was like Dear Evan Hansen. Okay. She goes, That's the one. That's not wrong. <laughs> Something about a broken hand. <laughs> Something about a broken hand. Something about a broken hand. Skylar Aston, such a bigger who. This is because of the. Have you watched the Spring Awakening documentary yet? I haven't. No, but I'm. I mean, like, I've never seen the show. I've, I have no, I've I have seen no... the show. The best part is I saw the show once. It was part of a Deaf West. Uh, it was a Deaf West publication. Uh, it was a Deaf West production. Oh, right. It was fantastic. Cool I didn't even need to care about the musical, and I still don't. And I had a great time, and I will be watching this musical. But I will say we were talking about this in a chat, which I can't believe it brought up this much conversation. But the pull quote of the Leah Michelle show, Jonathan Groff for vagina or whatever. It's so much better the cl- when you see in the context. clip. Jonathan Groff was like, can I see your vagina? And she was like, <laughs> OK. But they have like it's like a funny dynamic. And he's like kind of cracking up. He's like, can't believe she told you that. Like it makes her. I mean, Leah Michelle on her way back into society. You know what I mean? It kind of like redeems the. Whatever negative press spin was she's put still a on villain. that because people like think she's a villain, right? Well, she's still definitely a villain, but she can stay. <laughs> she can stay. <laughs> Everyone needs a Christine Quinn, you know, and she can be like our real life Christine Quinn. I'm just saying it was much more flattering to her in the actual documentary than the press has had mm-hmm. twisted it into being in its reporting yeah, because I people agree. were already so like down on Leah Michelle. God, not me actually genuinely thinking isn't Skylar Aston married to Britney Snow, but he's married to Anna Camp. Well, but he's was, not. They, they got, got a divorce. They got a divorce. Well, that was the um, that was the pitch perfect. Brit- Brit- that was a pitch. They're all pitch perfect people. It's okay. And Rebel Wilson's in a new movie about going back to high school. <laughs> no, she's not. Yes, yeah, she is no, on she's Netflix. Not. Your favorite place to see a comedy, Netflix. Apparently, shut the fuck up. <laughs> your third, your your second or third favorite Netflix comedy. Back to Ew, school. It's called or whatever Senior it's called. Year. Yeah. Ew. High school has changed, but she hasn't. Yeah, Ugh. it's like. Do you like never been kissed, but only the parts where Drew Barrymore is too old for school? I guess that's like a tro- <laughs> that trope's been used a lot. <laughs> in 2002, high school cheerleader Stephanie Conway suffers a head injury and falls into a coma. Then she wakes up when she's 37 and then goes back to school to finish. Okay, so at least she's act- at least she's not trying to pretend that she's 18. Here's something that isn't reassuring. Principal photography began on May 24th, 2021 during the pandemic. It was completed by July. <laughs> if you shoot a movie that quickly during the pandemic, I'm worried. <laughs> a little worried. Is Rich Uncle Pennybags from Monopoly a who or a them? Um, I feel like he's iconic, but also people often call him Mr. Monopoly, even though his name is Rich Uncle Pennybags. Um, but like, does that just mean that, you know, he's out there enough for people to get his name wrong? Like when my mom called Vigo Mortensen Virgo Morgenstein. <laughs> crunch, crunch. Your mom called Virgo Morgenstein? Virgo Morgenstein is good. That's good. Virgo Morgenstein is really good. Okay, Rich Uncle To be fair, those are two names, but more believable names than Vigo Morgenstern. What's his name? Vigo Morgan. Vigo Mortensen. Mortensen. Okay. I guess Mortensen. My favorite Vigo. thing is watching 80s and 90s movies where Vigo Mortensen shows up. 
because he like pops what? up surprisingly in a lot of 80s and 90s movies and you're like you, <gasps> Viggo Mortensen do, do you point and say Vigo? well this happened recently specifically with two movies so I said when I say my favorite thing it, it means when it happens in these two very specific instances he pops up in Witness as one of the Amish and he pops up in A Perfect Murder as Gwyneth Paltrow's sexy artist uh, boyfriend his butt chin is unmistakable when you see that Incredible. chin you know you're yes. talking to Vigo what's you his new movie Vigo's that's there. like nasty the David Cronenberg where he's like covered in goo and like the future of punishment or something or whatever when Kristen Stewart puts her that thing on her eyeball and is like yeah and you're like what is this where's the other side of this connected what is she seeing no it looks absolutely sick I can't wait (laughs) it's crimes of the future it's called crimes of the future yeah there we go I love what I can remember what I can't but yes crimes of the future it looks great Viggo Mortensen, most famous for Lord of the Rings, no? I mean, that would be... Uh, no, his most iconic role was as the um, baseball player in 28 Days. The, the addict baseball player in 28 okay. Days. That's my favorite Viggo okay. Mortensen role. That's your yes. favorite. He's yes. also Captain Fantastic of Captain Fantastic, which people liked, mm-hmm. but I'm not sure who watched. And Eastern Promises. Okay, but Lord of the Rings Mr. is the Monopoly. one. Yeah. Imagine Viggo Mortensen playing Mr. Moneybags or whatever his Oscar. real name is. Oscar. Oscar. Is Rich Uncle Pennybags a who or a them, though? Specifically Rich Uncle Pennybags. Not Mr. Monopoly, not Monopoly Man. Well, what's interesting is I feel like whenever people refer to a rich character, it's always Scrooge McDuck. It's like diving Mm -hmm. into money. I'm not sure how many people are like, oh, like Rich Uncle Pennybags, a.k.a. Mr. Monopoly. Rich Uncle Pennybags is always like, pass, go, collect 200, right? I mean, that's like what he does. Okay. When you search Mr. Monopoly, it says, People also ask, what is the name of Mr. Monopoly? And then it says Rich Uncle Pennybags. I think Rich Uncle Pennybags is a who and Mr. Monopoly is a them. Really? I think if you said, who is Mr. Monopoly? You would get more correct answers than if you asked, who is Rich Uncle Pennybags? Hmm. Interesting. I think they're all thems. Mr. Monopoly, Rich Uncle Pennybags. Monopoly Man. Them. Monopoly Man or whatever. Sorry, now I'm on a mm-hmm. website that's saying, why do we think the Monopoly Man has a monocle? You're probably wondering why you think Mr. Monopoly has a monocle. It's because of a phenomenon called the Mandela Effect. Okay. Okay. <laughs> There's a mass delusion that the that Rich Uncle Moneybags has a monocle, but he doesn't. That's all I'm saying. If we're all having mass delusions about this man, I think he's a them. That's true. Okay, I'll accept that. I like this line from the Wikipedia, which says... So Philip Orbanes, who was a former Parker Brothers executive, wrote a book called The Monopoly Companion. Okay, It says, in the book, all of the characters that appear on the Monopoly board or within the decks of the cards received a name. Uncle Pennybags' full name was given as Milburn Pennybags. Oh my. So wait. So Rich Uncle Pennybags is not even his real name. It's Milburn. Canonically, it's Milburn, Milburn Pennybags. Pennybags. It's an affi- written in the official Monopoly companion book. Okay, but if these bags are full of pennies, there's not that much money in the bags. So how rich can he be? There's no saying that he doesn't have a lot of bags of pennies. It seems just not useful to like go around carrying these big bags of pennies. You know, if you have so much money, mm-hmm. why would you carry them in bags of pennies? That's okay. We'll let it go. We will let it go. We'll let it go. We will let it go. And if you have extra bags of pennies, you can donate to the hooligan-founded abortion fund uh, that we will link to in this episode. The hooligans just know. Also, doesn't have to be that one. It could be anyone in your local area. There are plenty to give to, and they all need your support. So um, that's what Milburn Pennybag should be doing with his extra pennies. Thank you for listening to another episode of Who's There? Our weekly call-in show. Keep calling in at 619-WHO-THEM to leave questions, comments, and concerns. 
Thank you to Katie and Erica the Who's for providing our Rita theme song. Someone asked if they never know if we're saying Katie and Erica, comma, no, the that, Who's. Or people Katie know and we're Eric saying of the Who's. Katie and Eric of the Who's. Hi, Lindsay, Bobby. I know this is kind of a weird question, but every time I hear the credits at the end of the, the podcast, I wonder if Bobby is saying thank you to Katie and Erica of the Who's or Katie and Eric, Katie and Eric of the Who's or Katie and Erica the Who's. Um, and I need to know. Thank you. Uh, uh, crunch, crunch. Katie and Eric, friends of the pod, actual musicians of The Who's. The Who's only have one song, and it's the Rita theme song. If you ever played that song in public and people ask, who's that? Say, those are very talented, independent musicians. Those are The Who's. You haven't heard of them? Not The, the Who. Oh the Who's. Katie and Eric of The Who's. Oh, my Who's. God. Then play them some tan lines. Thank you to Timmy, our research and editorial assistant, for researching and editorializing. Support us on patreon.com slash whoweekly for bonus episodes, commentaries, newsletter, Discord server, and more. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. We love your ratings and reviewings. And have a good weekend. We'll see you on Tuesday. Bye. Bye. I'll see you in there. Can't wait. Love you. Bye. Love you. Hi, Lindsay Bobby. Long time, long time. I don't want to call this a call-out post, but let's call it a call-in. I love you both so much. I respect you. I respect your opinions. But as kind of a cuspy Gen Z millennial 28-year-old, I need to tell you that you need to reassess the part of the show where you call Sean Paul of them and Haley Steinfeld, a who I, I think Hawkeye pushed her over the edge. She has like a leading Marvel role that is like geared up to be in more stuff. And I, I have no idea what Sean Paul looks like. Yes, I, I knew the voice when you played it, but like, couldn't name the name of any of, no, it's just, it's totally, y'all are wrong. I'm sorry. But I just felt like y'all needed to be put in check there. And I love you both and goodbye. Wow. Haley Steinfeld, a who? I guess we have found one instance where her face card indeed was declined. Crunch, crunch. Women don't belong in the room. Hi, Who Weekly. Um, I can't believe on your latest episode when you were talking about the chief blur officer at VH1, you played the beat from the Blur song, but you didn't play the woo-hoo. The beat is a who. The woo-hoo is a them. I mean, maybe this was just like rights issues. I don't know. Maybe you don't want to get sued by Blur. I don't know. Uh, crunch, crunch. Hi, Who Weekly. Just wanted to let you know I'm watching some of the live feeds from the Met Gala, and I just recognized Brooklyn Beckham and Nicholas Peltz from the back. From behind. I only have you two to blame. Crunch, crunch. Hi, Weekly. Long time, long time. Um, I'm calling because I recently saw a production of Virginia Woolf starring Zachary Quinto and Calista Flockhart. And um, during Act 3 of the play, um, Calista was giving a 
very intense monologue. It was like the climax of the play. And then Zachary Quinto suddenly looked at someone in the front row and said, I'm sorry, but I need you to stop chewing so loudly. You are um, you are compromising the work that we have been doing for the past three hours. You need to stop. And then um, the person who was chewing in the front row, like, put their mask back on and everyone applauded. And then the play resumed um, and Calista Flockhart had to, like, take a beat to, like, remember where she was in her monologue again and I guess I'm wondering if it's who or them behavior for an actor to interrupt the play to reprimand the audience and then also if Zachary Pinto or Clissa Flockhart is them it was an amazing moment of theater okay crunch crunch Hi, I have a work call in two minutes, but I needed to call the line just to say this is the third week in a row I've called, and not only has my call not been played, but somebody else's call on the exact same topic has been played. So clearly I'm onto something, you know, but I'm just, I'm not making it happen, and I really would love some feedback on how I can be like, quippy and get my call played. Timmy, if you listen to all of these calls and you are the firewall I need to get around, please get in contact with me. I would love to chat. Crunch, crunch.